I was about to start talking about another room in my brain that I want to tidy up. Okay. But before I can even do that, as is becoming increasingly the case, I have to pull back a little. So if we if we keep up with this idea of tidying up rooms in our brains, okay, our mind palaces or whatever you want to call them. Anybody who's ever tried to tidy up their house will tell you that before you can perfect a room, the house needs to be in general order. Okay, so if every room in your house is upside down and the whole place needs a good fucking tidy, there's no point in doing it room by room at the start. Okay, there's no point in going into, say, there's no point in saying, right, I'm going to do this bedroom, this corner bedroom, I'm going to clean that and I'm not leaving that room until it's fucking spotless and everything is where it should be. Look, you're free to go and do that, but I would argue that that's a poor choice to start off with. I would argue that you're better off almost cleaning up all the rooms at the same time as a first step. So you take the worst out of it. You walk into the sitting room and you're like, fucking hell. You can't see the couch for just toys. Okay, so you say, right, I'm just going to get the main part. The main thing that's wrong in this in the sitting room is there's toys everywhere. So I'm going to pick up the toys and I'm going to put them into different kids' bedrooms or a toy room or a toy box or whatever it is. You're going to do that. Then you're going to walk into your kitchen and you're going to see the main thing that's wrong with this room is there's fucking cutlery and delf everywhere. So you're going to fill the dishwasher or you're going to wash and dry everything there and then. Okay, then you're going to go into the little room, your utility room with your washing machine and the back door and all that jazz. And there's going to be a load of clothes fucked everywhere and it's just going to be a mess. So you say to yourself, right, I'm going to separate the colours of all these clothes for washing and I'm going to get everything off the floor, basically, in this room. We're not tidying the sitting room completely. We're not tidying the kitchen completely. We're not tidying the utility room. We're just doing the bare minimum, getting the worst of the stuff out of the way. Because once the worst of the stuff is out of the way in all the different rooms, then you can start cleaning them one by one and doing a really good job. Okay? Because if you go into one room and you try and do it from the start without getting the worst of it put away, it's going to be overwhelming. Because you're going to sit, you're going to go into a room and you're going to go, right, there's loads of these different things that shouldn't be here, they should be somewhere else. And you're going to pick them all up and you're going to bring them to that other place, that, that's somewhere else, to put them away. But you can't walk into that room because there's shit all over the floor. So what I'm saying is if you're going to take on cleaning your house, fly around all the rooms and give them a quick once over first. Because it's not until then that you can see the wood from the trees in each individual room and you can go about solving them. Why the fuck am I recommending people tidy their rooms and tidy their houses? It's because I want to talk about something that's in my mind, but I haven't tidied it up into its own room yet. There's bits and pieces of what I want to talk about, but they're in several different rooms. It's not that I have a messy room It's that there's bits and pieces of what I want scattered across multiple floors, never mind rooms. And this episode is a first attempt at putting all those bits into the one room. So hopefully on a future date, I'll be able to actually clean the room and make a better job of concretizing my thought processes and streamlining my mind, basically, and... Just getting it running a little bit better. 
But before I do any of that, what I need to get across here is an element of what's scattered around my house. So something that represents what's scattered around my mind, basically, that's in all the different rooms. Okay, And the example that I'm going to use is protein, believe it or not. More specifically, protein shakes. So I've been doing a good bit of training even throughout this uh, current lockdown. Now, I'm lucky because I own a gym and a friend of mine who also owns a gym, his gym is closed because of COVID. My gym was never open to the public, really. So it's a private gym. So although it's not... It's as close now to the public as it was when the country was up and running, basically. But my friend wants to continue working as best as he can. And what he's doing is he's training football teams online. He's doing online fitness classes remotely. So he comes to my place of business where I have a gym. He sets up his camera and he sets up his telly and he sets up his laptop and his speakers and all the rest of it. And he basically does a fitness class from my personally owned fitness studio and what's happening off camera that none of the GAA heads know is I'm actually there doing the workout with them I'm just not involved in the production Dave pretends I'm not there basically when he's doing it okay this is all two meters and COVID compliant so there's no worries there but Dave David Nolan uh, hopefully soon to be future guest of the show has been helping me with my personal training. He's a fantastic personal trainer. He owns and operates Club Active Gym in Navan, which, you know, hasn't had a great previous 12 months because of COVID and fucking all the rest of it. But anyway, Dave was recommending that I buy a particular brand of protein. Gold Standard, I think, is the is the name. And I was basically saying, what's the point in me buying this, you know, quite expensive protein would any old protein not do and he said no 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 no, no Frano, you don't understand there's and this is where i'm going to start you know filling in the gaps basically there, there, there's too much sugar in it and there's there's not enough carbs in it or there's too many carbs in it and the, the protein quality it's from it's from this source and that source and blah 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 the, the cheap stuff not it's nearly as good what you want is this expensive stuff you someone that's at your level of athleticism and your level of training they really should be taking the best of the best of the best protein shakes and this particular brand he's convinced is the best one now my point was i smoke now i don't smoke cigarettes but i hit the bong every evening okay so i smoke I don't get enough sleep uh, as I should. <laughs> Herself's laughing her ass off here. You don't get enough sleep. Fuck you is what she's saying. Hey, babe. But anyway, I don't get enough sleep. I don't go to bed early enough. I don't get up. I don't go to bed at the same time and get up at the same time. I don't monitor my water intake as much as I should. I don't monitor my food intake as much as I should. I am still... Of, I'm still in the habit of shoveling chocolate down my face in the evenings. I drink beer, I drink wine, I drink whiskey. I do a whole host of things that are suboptimum. And my point to him is, bearing all that in mind, that I smoke, that I eat my body weight in chocolate and crisps and fucking blah, blah, blah. Bearing all that in mind... Is it not a bit futile me forking out top bucks for the world's finest protein shake? 
And uh, now he doesn't agree or disagree with me, but this is what I'm trying to clear up in my head. And it's only an example of a much, much broader, wider phenomenon, which I'm, I'm hopefully going to get to. So that's essentially that's essentially the concept that I want you to get that I want to get across. That we can be too preoccupied with minutia and simultaneously completely ignoring completely ignoring something massive. So, to give another example, you've got a, a lad on a football team who wants to get fitter or faster or healthier or whatever it is, and he's worked out his his everything, his VO two max, his max heart rate, his resting heart rate. You know the recovery time needed, the nutrition, the calories he needs to take in, the the protein, the carbs, his micros, his macros, all this. He has all this down to a fine art. But he lurries ten cans of cider into him every evening. It, there's no fucking point. So my my the point that I'm trying to labour to make here is, and I'm just thinking out loud here again. There's an, another analogy here. I think with how with how what. Not with how I think, but with my knowledge of things. So I think you're better off knowing a little bit about everything rather than knowing a mountain of stuff about this one tiny little thing. And there's something analogous between that and the protein analogy that I gave just there. So what that means to me is, in keeping with politics, I personally don't think there's any utility or need or purpose in knowing who the Minister for Finance is and knowing who the Minister for Education is and knowing how many seats there are in Parliament and knowing how many votes will get this position and how the Shannon can overrule the doll and all these minutiae, all these little tiny details. To me, knowing anything about that stuff is practically pointless if you don't know the basics. So if you don't know that human beings essentially typically are split down the middle between being conservative and being liberal, generally speaking, broad sweeping generalization alert here, folks, okay? Typically speaking, you're either mad for change or you're mad to keep things the same. And again, typically, liberals are mad to change everything and conservatives are mad to keep everything the same. But if you don't understand that, You've no hope of understanding what the difference, what the fundamental difference between a liberal party and a conservative party is. So that's the two main camps in American politics, for example. The two, practically the only two uh, political parties in the States are the Democrats, who are liberal, who want to change everything, apparently, and the conservatives, who want everything pretty much to stay the same. I called the... Republicans, conservatives there a minute ago. They are, but I'm, I funneled my words there a small bit. So just to reiterate, there's two main parties in the States, the Democrats and the Republicans. The Democrats are liberal and want to change everything, and the Republicans are conservative and want everything to stay the same. That's a gross, gross, gross understatement, and it's very base, okay? It's just the fundamental gist of both parties. It's not, this ain't no degree course, okay? Now, what we're working our way towards here is a problem because you want people you, it, if everybody knows a little bit about everything then there's not a lot of progress because in order for there to be progress 
a handful of people have to put the blinkers on and go down the rabbit hole and be experts. I don't think you can be very, very, very broad-minded and an expert in a particular field. I'm not saying it can't be done, okay? I'm sure it can, but I don't think it's normative for that to be the case because the kind of... the, the the, there's, what is it? there's no crossover or I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure of the way to word it but there's they run in opposition to each other so in order for you to be very broadly learned for want of a better phrase if you want to be you know wise and have a an inkling into 101 different things you need to have a wide range of interests and you need to be listening and reading about 101 different things but leading, reading and listening to 101 different things isn't going to get you to expert level in any one of those things. So we need two different types of people in society. We need people who are willing to put the blinkers on and go down the rabbit hole and find out everything there is to know about the little ball in the tip of a ballpoint pen. And then we need other people who are more inclined to be like me, say, who although they like to go down the odd rabbit hole, are not expert in any one field, but they've got a good, broad understanding of things. And you need both. It's crucial that you have both, because if everybody's like me, nobody makes a leap. No new discoveries are made. I'm never going to discover anything new in the world of chemistry, or psychology, or politics, or anything for that matter. Okay, I'm never going to make a groundbreaking discovery because in order to make a groundbreaking discovery, you need to put the fucking blinkers on. You need to have that tunnel vision. You need to have that specific goal at the end of the track. Okay, and you're on you're on train tracks. You're not going left or right. You're not looking out the windows. You're going forward, and there's a there's a destination there. Now that suits certain people, and people are and that's fine. There's nothing wrong about that. And in this case, with me is. I can't stay on the tracks, okay? I'm on the tracks for two seconds and then I'm under the tracks and then I'm over the tracks and then I'm going in the wrong direction and then I'm off out into the field and I trip up and fall into a lake before I pull myself back up. That's just me. And again, there's nothing right or wrong here, okay? The only right or wrong here is if everybody was like me or if everybody was an expert. The wrongness there is there'd be no progression if everybody was like me because you need tunnel vision to solve a really hard problem, basically. But I suppose you need both. That's the, the wider point. You need both people and, and both types of people in society. You need people with a wide-ranging knowledge of different things and you need people who know everything there is to know about this one thing. And by those two people talking, basically, by those two communities conversing and having their ideas questioned by people like me, I th personally, I think people with broad understanding of things without having an awful lot of knowledge about any one of them per se, are particularly well suited to what I do, which is interview people and talk about a range of different topics. Because if I didn't know half the things that I know about the million of different subjects that I do, and I only knew a massive amount about the one subject, let's say that one subject was microphones, just looking around at things in front of me. If I knew everything there was to know about microphones and I had a podcast dedicated to nothing but microphones and things that were related to microphones, then some people would love it. People, audio engineers would love it. Manufacturers of microphones would love it. 
okay? But that's not what I'm going for here. What I'm going for here is fucking mass appeal, basically. I'm trying to grow something that has mass appeal, that has a wide variety of, as wide of and diverse a variety of people listening to me as I do of topics that I cover. And anybody that's listened to me from any length of time will know that I could just as easily go from microphones to talking about the formation of stars. Speaking of the formation of stars, I don't think I did the whole formation of stars and celestial objects justice the other day. And the reason being, I left something out. So I mentioned that when a star starts off in its journey, it's like a cloud of dust, basically. And then it gets closer and closer together until it becomes more compact and the more compact it becomes, the more denser it gets, the more gravity it has, the more power it has to attract more things in. The more things that it attracts in, the bigger it gets, the bigger its gravity becomes, the more it can pull back in, the more it can pull back in, the bigger it gets. And there's a positive feedback loop here. The more powerful it gets, the more shit it draws in. The more shit it draws in, the more powerful it gets. But I didn't mention something that I think might be particularly useful. So you've got the universe and it's full of gas okay just to dumb this right down when you compress gas it turns into a liquid so think about if you've ever blown up a balloon with uh, or seen balloons being filled with helium so you know the helium that they put in this gas that's lighter than air therefore the balloon floats and it it doesn't fall on the ground it has to be tied to something that's heavier than it can lift Otherwise, it'll just float off into the sky. We're all familiar with those kind of party balloons. A gas cylinder with helium in it. Let's say it takes up, I don't know, fucking 10 litres of space. Okay? That's in, its, that's in its compacted form inside a cylinder. So if you pick up a helium cylinder that's full of helium and shake it, you'll hear the gas sloshing around inside it. Now, you might say to yourself, how could you hear gas sloshing around? Well, when you condense gas, when you put gas under pressure, it condenses into a liquid. Okay, so you've probably seen it with lighters, cigarette lighters. You can get transparent ones and you can see that there's liquid in it and that's the gas. But when you press down on the little plunger thing, liquid doesn't come out. Fumes come out. So that gas in its gaseous state escapes the lighter it hits a spark and it produces a little steady flame okay but the liquid itself inside is gas even though it's a liquid it's gas in liquid form so if your tank of helium occupies the same space as 10 litres let's say 10 litres of milk that kind of space it will blow up balloons that will fill the space of I don't know, a thousand litres. So it's a hundred times, I, I don't, don't quote me in the math here because I've no idea the conversion. But when you turn the valve on the helium tank and you, you, you hear, tss, you hear that gas escaping, that gas will fill an entire house. Whereas the cylinder itself with the liquid gas will only, you know, fill a fucking space in a press. Okay. But back to the formation of stars. So you have a universe full of gas that you can't see because there's no light. But anyway, that's another story. So the universe is full of gas. As it condenses and as it pulls in on itself, it starts off by condensing into a drop. 
So a star, which is like our sun is a star. It's not a particularly big one, but it's still about a million times bigger than planet Earth. Okay, so in relative human terms, it's fucking huge. Small by star standards, fucking huge by Earth standards. Okay, literally a million times bigger than Earth. That would have started off as a single droplet, as all stars would have, because there's nothing but gas. Okay, no liquid, just gas. And as it compresses into a point, in that point becomes a little, like literally a drop of water, or in this case, hydrogen, a little drop of liquid hydrogen. And as that liquid drop of hydrogen pulls in more molecules of gas, it gets a tiny little bit bigger until after a certain period of time, it's about the size of a football. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it's the size of a planet. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it essentially, at one point, would probably come to the same size as about, let's say, the moon or Earth, there thereabouts, as just a sphere of water. Now, what would that look like in space? From space, should I say? I'll tell you what it'd look like. It'd look like Earth with no land. It'd be just a ball of water. Because that's what Earth would look like if you just clicked your fingers and made all the land disappear. Or if the sea level rose so that it covered the top of Mount Everest. All planet Earth would be would be a liquid planet. Now, it would have a rocky core, but from the look of it, if there was no land on Earth and forgetting about clouds and atmosphere and all that shit, if it was just sea, I don't think it would look any different than if it was literally liquid to the centre. Okay, and that's what a star would be starting out. A big, giant sphere of liquid. And what happens there is, as I outlined in the other episode, it gets so big that there's so much pressure on the inside of it because you have to remember it's from the center point of the sphere it's pulling in in all directions and the more liquid that's there the more weight is pulling in on the very center of it and when that gets to a critical point whereby the hydrogen atoms are pushed together and fused together ping on comes the star like a light bulb. It literally ignites at a certain point and continues to just, you know, be a star thereafter. Fucking hell, that was some tangent. From protein to fucking star formation. But look, knowing all that stuff, that's kind of my shtick. I needed an expert to figure out the chemistry of star formation. Okay? I needed... A, a range of experts. I needed. I needed people who devoted their lives to developing telescopes. Pair back from them. I needed people to devote their lives to developing lenses, which ended up being put in telescopes. I am relying on people who concentrated on doing nothing else but working on motors that would move the telescope to track different stars. I rely on experts who did nothing other than monitor the colour of light coming from a particular type of star and then working backwards from the colour of light to understand what that star was made up of. Okay, so I rely on experts to make these discoveries and to to give me the information that I then put in my information bank. Okay, but likewise, I personally think that experts need people like me to A, make this knowledge available to a wider audience and B, to maybe draw parallels, to maybe kind of go, fuck, 
and learn something from star formation that helps my understanding of, I don't know, a political movement or a fucking philosophical musing or whatever it is, and go, fuck. And then maybe come up with that 0.1% of originality that I came up with there earlier. And by disseminating that to whoever might be listening, someone will therefore hear something that I've maybe came up with and went, fuck. And let's say that person is an expert. Maybe they'll take that bit of information that I've gleaned from 101 different sources and put that to work on a specific problem. And there's something about that. There's something about different types of people doing their thing and throw in a collaborative effort and who knows what we could come up with. Politics to me is the exact same. We need different people. What What we're seeing happen across the world at the minute... I believe, is that there's a polarisation between people who want to change everything and people who want to keep everything the same. So people who want to change everything will say, the 1% of all the money and we are fucking, you know, slumming it here and and we need change. But the conservative people are saying, yes, we've all the money, but we fucking work for it and you think you're going to get it for nothing. Fuck you, you lazy shit. And this back and forth goes on. Now, neither position is completely correct. Now, maybe one side is more correct than the other, but I'm not going to go down that route. I think there's far more things that we can agree on that we should be focusing on rather than what we seem to be doing at the minute, which is just endlessly focusing on the things that we disagree with. And that brings me back to another thing that I was saying about media companies. If it bleeds, it leads me that loves my little saying. A newspaper headline of... Nobody died in uh, a market in Istanbul today. No one cares that nobody died. People barely care when a hundred people are killed by some sort of a bomb. So the idea that reporting on something innocuous happening, that's not going to sell fucking papers. That's not going to work. So you need salacious headlines. You need to draw, you need to, to hook people in by using emotion, by using fear and by using anger, you hook people in. But that's only when those people aren't educated to what it is that you're actually doing. Once people are aware of your tactics, they kind of see it. Like when I when I see a clickbait headline that says something, I don't know, just off the top of my head. Scientists have found the number one reason people are single. Click here. When I see something like that, I, I, I see what they're doing. They're telling you that the answer to your problem is in this link. The headline will never be, being nicer makes you more attractive to other people. Because there's no reason to click into that link. Links, clickbait headlines always hook you in. They never, they never tell you what they're about. Because telling you what you're, you're about would negate the need for you to click on it in the first place. And if you don't click on it in the first place, you're not going to have any engagement with an ad that they're trying to show you. Okay, so you need to hook people in. But for me, if you have a general understanding of most things, up to and including clickbait journalism, you would you inoculate yourself. Is that the word? Is that a word? Inoculate? Yeah, you ino- inoculate? I have to double check that. Two secs. No, I'm back. Yeah, inoculate. Sorry. You know when you say a word, you're like, does that is that a word? Does that really mean anything? Yeah, you inoculate yourself. So if you're wise to how clickbait journalism works, you inoculate yourself to it. You you basically cure yourself of 
ever getting the disease. But anyway, Jesus fucking Christ, it's nearly half an hour. From whey protein to the formation of stars, what was the overarchingness of what I was saying there? Be careful about how deep into something you get without being properly grounded in the subject subject that you're fucking talking about. So the plumber that I was chatting to the other day, he seemed to be under the impression that we should leave the EU because, you know, the, we don't want our laws made for us in Brussels. And I must ask him the next time I'm talking to him, but I got the distinct impression that he was ready to vote to leave the EU. And I would imagine that he doesn't even know what the fucking EU is or what it does. But what he's done is he's picked something. He's he, Intentionally or otherwise. He's become aware, whether this is true or not is irrelevant. He's become aware that the EU is making our laws and the EU shouldn't be making our laws. We're a sovereign nation. We should be making our own laws. So therefore, if a ballot was put forward, if there was a referendum on whether or not we should leave or stay in the EU, he's going to vote leave. But he doesn't have a broad understanding of what the EU is and what it's done and how Ireland has benefited from it. He only has that one little bit of information. Now, whether that one little bit of information is correct or incorrect is almost irrelevant. He's basing an enormous decision on a tiny little bit of information. And if that's, if that's the only thing that I want to get across here, don't be going making your decisions on some little soundbite that you heard. Don't be making your decisions on immigration because you saw a headline saying 2,000 new refugees enter the country every day. Like, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe they are, maybe they do, but maybe they're doing it illegally. So if they're doing it illegally, it's going to happen whether we're in the EU or not. Things that are done illegally, people who do things against the law don't care what law they're breaking. They'll break it regardless of whether we're in the EU or not in the EU. So just be careful, I suppose, on what you base, base your decisions on. Holy shit, that's half an hour. That's the longest solos to date. And it's my third of the day. And I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Lads, I'll chat to you soon.